Welcome to the Black on Shelf podcast, a podcast championing black and brown entrepreneurs on the digital and physical shelves. Every week, I talk to black and underrepresented entrepreneurs to learn about their inspiring personal stories and the details on their brand, business, and product. Yep, I'm bringing you behind the scenes. So let's pull up, support, and listen in. I'll also be chatting with leading black and brown industry experts about how we're shaping the industry, reimagining the shelf, and sharing the smarts on brand building. We're also going to get you retail ready. So listen, you're going to want to take some notes. I'm putting you on and bringing you along. You'll hear directly from me in my special series called The Checkout. This is where I personally scan the landscape and share my insights on what's new, hot, and interesting. Okay, Black on Shelf community, that's you. I'm calling you the boss fam. I'm your host, Tanaj Ferguson. This is Black on Shelf. All right, all right, all right. Hey, boss fam. Welcome to episode two. Episode two. That means we've got one down and a lot more to go because I am loving this whole thing. I'm so excited that we're going to be talking to Miles. You're really in for a great episode. Miles is such a genuine entrepreneur, one of the entrepreneurs I'm really inspired by. Hence, I'm having him as my first interview. In this episode, I talked to Miles Powell of 8 Miles, a premium frozen macaroni and cheese brand now available in select Whole Foods Market and Target retailers. We talk about how Miles started, how he went from one local store to mass retail, how he navigated corporate and entrepreneurship, and the support that he received along the way. We also discuss key milestones for his business and some advice for emerging entrepreneurs. We end on what does it mean to be black on shelf? This episode is for you if you're looking to discover more amazing black brands on shelf or if you're currently building yours. So listen in. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm sure just like I did, you're going to learn some great nuggets from Miles and his journey. He's killing the game. And I love his motto of just going really slow and steady and getting it done, knowing when to accelerate, but building that strong foundation. So here you go. I'm talking to Miles. Come pull up a chair with us. So it's crazy. We met how many years ago might that have been? multiple years and it's funny because time flies i was gonna say probably at least four years ago and maybe even more yeah so i think we could tell the people sort of like how we met because this is how this moment is happening i met miles several years ago before i was going to business school i am myself an entrepreneur Miles had been at it for a while because you're six years in business now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Six years in business now. He was working, still probably working corporate and with his business. And we met at a, a commercial kitchen that offers a little bit more than a traditional commercial kitchen. They offer some more support. My product got accepted to this accelerator, Union Kitchen, which I yeah. believe you still work out of today. Yeah, I'm still there. Hope to talk a little bit more about that for the people as well. and. I really just wanted to learn more. And of course, as fate would have it, I realized another black person, I was like, I'm going to ask him for the real, like, what is this experience? What is it like? He knows he's, he's been here for a while already. And that's how we met. And then I realized Miles is awesome. He's doing great things. While we eventually went on different paths, we still stayed in touch and I, you know, support the business 
And I love that this full circle moment has happened where I'm literally seeing the growth of your business. You're now in a number of retailers. I love your story so much. And I really wanted to be one of the first brands. I wanted you to be one of the first people I spoke to for Black on Shelf, because I think your story really is one of the key reasons this podcast exists and why I am so excited to share stories like yours, who you've been at this for a while slowly gaining momentum, getting your wins, really working on the foundation of your business, doing it super smart. We tend to hear all these great stories about founders who got all this capital and did all these things and never worked and was able to do this full time. And I think yeah. your story is so humbling and also so accessible for someone like me who still works, you know? So I would love for you to talk about your background, how you started Eight Miles, and we'll eventually get into some key milestones. But if you could tell us a little bit about your background, I think people will start to, you know, the Black on Shelf fam, I call them the boss fam, will quickly get an appreciation of why we are even talking today and why they need to know Miles Powell. <laughs> tell us a little about yourself. First of all, I'm really glad you're doing this. And it's crazy how we connected uh, years ago and now we're doing it again on this yeah. cool circle journey. I tell you, you know, it's inspirational to see other folks that look like us doing, you know, kind of, you know, doing their thing and, and trying something new, right? It's really, you know, I love to hear about it. I love to support as best I can. As I kind of look back at this whole journey, like kind of where it started, that was like a whole different person, right? So I guess I'll start from the beginning. So I, I graduated back in 2012. Yeah. I had the civil engineering degree, worked my butt off for it. And, you know, my obviously my goal is to go out, get my first full-time job get a paycheck, you know, start my like, adult life, right? Like, I was just excited to be independent and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And my second day of my job, I was out in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I sat at my desk and I remember looking at the clock and the clock said like 9 a.m. And I'm like, wait a minute, I got to do this for 40 years? Like at that moment, I'm like, no, 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 I can't. There's no way I'm doing this in my entire life. Right? <laughs> and that was like that seed of, of all right, what, what, what am I going to do? Um, I'd already made plans to go to grad school because I was, I loved business, but I wanted to do something major, right? I wanted to make a name for myself. I wanted to create a business. Wow. I didn't know how to do it yet. And um, so what I started doing was kind of channeling into my passion, which was cooking. Um, mm -hmm. You know, growing up with people, my family who loved to cook, I always loved to, well, first of all, I loved to eat, but that know, part kind of comes with that. Yeah, you know, and like, love to eat, love to cook. Me, yes. Yeah. My parents always said, hey, if you, if you love food, you better know how to cook it. So amen, I, amen. Um, and so I just started, you know, playing in the kitchen, experimenting, just kind of, you know, this, like I said, I'm in. This is my first time having my own kitchen, so I'm making, I'm making dishes every night just to, just to explore. And my initial goal was to create a food uh, cookbook. You but know, one thing was your mom a chef? Did I get? Did no. I? No. Okay, so you just no. knew how to cook. This was like from your family. Yeah, this is, these are oh all home chefs. Um, my dad was he, he was a part time caterer, but that oh. wasn't his full time job either. You know, okay, okay. And so, and like this, not even just my parents, my uncle, my grandparents, like everyone cooks, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of, I was like, I got to fall in line here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so yeah, and so I wanted to do a cookbook, and um, I started a food blog. Um, it was called omgyoucancook.com. I didn't know um, this part. <laughs> yeah. And like, keep in mind, this is like the days, this is like Instagram I just started. So Instagram's not really a big thing yet. And so the way I, I need to express my food was primarily through my website. 
Yeah. And I would post the recipe like every week, every other week. And it was really the whole point of it was to showcase that someone like me, you know, young guy coming out of college and doing engineering stuff can also cook, right? That was mm-hmm. the whole part. <laughs> so did that for about a year. Okay. And, I, and this so there's this one moment that like solidified everything. It was a Friday night and I was looking for recipe contests online that could put my recipes in. I found a competition announcement and hey, calling all home chefs to this food network show. What? your details. I remember I read it and I was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know what this is, but I sent a tweet out and it said, hey, I just found this recipe contest. Like, wouldn't it be crazy if I did it? One of the people that I grew up with, she's family. She responded and she said, do it. Something like that. Wow. So the next day I applied, you know, thinking nothing was going to happen. I got a phone call like two months later and there was a casting director, you know, from Cali saying, Hey, we want, we, we saw your, uh, your blog. We saw your application. We want to interview you for this show. Mm. So and I'm still like, ah, I don't know why you want to interview me. I've been cooking for like a couple of years. I'm just, I'm just cooking like, you know, crazy meals. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> we had, you know, we had this interview and they called me back for a second interview. And now oh. I'm starting to think, I'm like, all right, maybe they're just, I don't know why they're doing this. And then a couple of months later, I'm actually in a grad school class, get a phone call and a voicemail. And it's like, hey, this is so-and-so, I don't remember his name, but he's like, hey, we, we like you. We want you on the show. We film in a month. Ah! I'm like, I'm like, I'm like hey, what? <laughs> like, and at that point, you know, they didn't, they didn't give me any details. They just said, hey, it's, it's a TV show. It's about cooking. Uh-huh. Know how to cook everything. We'll see you in, we'll see you in, a, in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So I spent like three to four weeks Googling and YouTubing everything I didn't know how to cook. And it was, I had two pages worth of this stuff. Wow. And, cause I, and I, so now, you know, I'm nervous, but I'm like, what did I get myself into? I end up, you know, I took a train to New York and, you know, they didn't get, like I said, they didn't give us any details. So I'm in there like, is this going to be chopped? Is it going to be America's worst cooks? Cause if it's, if it's America's worst cook, I'm good. Like I can, I can hold my own and I'll, I'll probably crush it. Right. If it's chopped, I'm, I'm gonna get roasted. No, no way I'm making it on that show. <laughs> um, so we're in New York, and like for two to three days straight, they mm-hmm. just kind of give us the bits and details of what's gonna happen. And on the third day, we start filming. By this point, I'm just a nervous wreck. I you just, you still nervous. don't know what show you're on? Nope. I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm just I'm just a pile of nerves because I don't know what I'm, I'm like. Why am I here? I actually yeah. don't belong here. Did the show? It was a it was a thirty minute it was like a thing where you get to cook in thirty minutes and present to the judges. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do well. I got the boot episode one, but when I came home from that episode, I remember it was, it was around Christmas. I came home and it hit me like, all right, you know, I'm doing engineering, but food is kind of where I need to be. Like, this is my industry. Hmm. Um, and so around that same time, I was already experimenting with a new barbecue sauce just to mess around with. And I sent some samples out to people and they loved it. And I said, you know what? I want to start a company and make barbecue sauce. So, oh. and that was that was so that you was like started that was with barbecue and then went to your macaroni yeah. and cheese. Yep, yeah. Started with barbecue sauce, did that for a couple of years, and then switched to mac and cheese. So I'm curious. You don't do well in this competition, but you leave inspired somehow. What was going on between that moment of I'm going on the show? I didn't necessarily get affirmed, but in some way I did because I was there. To yeah. I'm then going to do this. What was that delta? You know what it is, and I learned this later in life is so I realized that I didn't enjoy engineering as an occupation, mm-hmm. but I love the challenge of it. And the food network experience and the thought of starting a business sounded like the craziest challenge. challenge. Yep, I yep. I feel you. And I'm, and I'm like, all right, you know, this is my next challenge. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take this head on. It seems really exciting. Let's do it. So you tell me you didn't necessarily enjoy engineering, but you did that. You got your MBA and then you have all these certifications. I, I pulled you up on LinkedIn. I'm like, this is black <laughs> excellence. What is Miles talking about? Lean Six Sigma, Yellow Belt, lead AP interior design and construction, engineer and, tra- and training certificate. I mean, well-degreed MBA from Penn State, bachelor's degree from yeah. University of Delaware. I'm just saying it's black excellence right there. So he, <laughs> he doesn't that. love school. First of all, he's saying he doesn't love engineering, but he totally <laughs> committed to it. What was that? Was there pressure from anywhere for you to still sort of hold down this very, I'm an engineer, kind of be that and sort of let food, that passion still kind of be on the sidelines? What was that going on? Probably because, you know, I worked so hard that for that four-year degree. that I pushed myself in that four years to the point, like, I never worked so, at the time. Like mm-hmm. it was my biggest challenge, right? Yeah. So I got the degree in my brain. I'm like, I got this is this in my life. Like, I got to stick mm-hmm. with it. It's giving me a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like this is my this is my road to the top. But like deep down, I know I didn't like it. Like you yeah. know, and I found myself always like every position that I took and throughout like the last ten years in engineering wasn't strictly engineering. It was like mixed with other stuff. I always found myself trying to like you know like throw in some business in there or other stuff like that. And yeah, it was just the pressure was on me, right? I was always okay. I remember the day that I got my graduate degree, I got the degree in the mail and like my first thought is, okay, what am I going to do next? Like immediately, okay, am I going to do doctorate? No, that's crazy. I don't got that. I don't got that money. And you know, I'm like, what am I going to do next? Like that's how my brain works now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how it happened, but, and it's gotten, I don't know if you're going to call it better or worse, but it's gotten increasingly crazy where like, I'm always like, all right, what's next? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the good thing is now you're in the CPG industry. There's always a what next. There's innovation. There's making your product better. There's getting into more places, which you totally have done. And we're going to get into that. Before we do, give us the origin story of Eight Miles. So you told us how you got here. And how do you define sort of like how this brand evolved, how you named it, yeah. <laughs> your first sale? Tell us a little bit about some of those origin journeys, you know, that process. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so so when I first started the company, like I started to form it, I was I was in Pennsylvania, and this is I mean the internet was the internet, right? But it's, the information wasn't as crazy as it is today. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I just remember I just would spend Friday and Saturday nights googling or like researching how to create a business, like all the necessary steps. At one point, I had a list of names on a napkin of the company names. What? And I'd go to see friends on the weekends and I'd bring them in and be like, hey, what do y'all think of this? Like, yeah. give, me your, give me your thoughts. And I can't specifically remember why I picked eight miles. Yeah. But I remember when I heard it, it stuck. And I uh-huh. said, yeah, like, I, that, that's the one I want. Because I wanted to create eight different sauces. Oh, um, okay, okay. And I was like, all right, it's a play on the movie, Eight Miles. So, mm-hmm, all right, yeah, that's actually mm-hmm. going to be, that's a good fit. It's your name. So you're a founder. Yeah, it's my, yeah, it's it's my your name. namesake. It's got to be good. <laughs> your yeah, exactly. On there. Yeah. So it all, it all really worked out. Then, but just like that beginning, mm-hmm. uh, it was good. It felt like it was a brand new beginning, right? Like I was like, all right, this is exciting. And I was naive. I had no idea what I was doing, right? Mm-hmm. I was winging it. And like the first thing I would do is I was selling barbecue sauce and like just the people I knew, my network. And, you know, I remember like my first sale, like, oh, this is crazy. Like someone's buying something. Like, <laughs> oh my God, someone's buying something that I made. It's nuts. And um, it wasn't until I started getting into like the retail side where I was like, oh man, there's a lot I don't know. What was your first retail sale? It was, so it was a store, it was a butcher shop. 
up in Pennsylvania. My dad actually was going there just to get his stuff. He told the owner about me. Mm. And I never forget, I, you know, he agreed and he said, you come up, do a demo, bring your sauces and we'll sell it while you demo. I was like, cool. And I sold it to him at a certain price. Mind you, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I sold it to him at the price that I was selling to like, you know, people individually. So he takes the barbecue sauce and I'm I'm at the table and one of his associates, like, you know, puts on the shelf and put the price tag on it. And it was like $10.99. I'm like, oh my God, why did he do that? It's not the price should be. But then some lady came up, she tried it, she looked at the bottle and just put it in the basket. I was like, that is nuts. <laughs> She's uh, like a ten ninety nine. Yeah, sauce. I was like, oh, oh barbecue my sauce. God. <laughs> so yeah, did you not nuts. believe it? Like I'm sure you, yeah. you might have never bought that that price tag of a barbecue sauce. No so way. You're like, what? I was crazy. Gonna, yeah, when they put it on the shelf, I'm like, no one's gonna buy it at that price. But let alone like people were buying it, so I was like, all right, this is uh, this is pretty cool. But then of course after that, I learned more about pricing, um, just do more research and, and figured out a like wholesale pricing. I didn't know what that was until mm-hmm. I started digging into it and I had to adjust from there. What's your advice on folks starting? So details like that was your first sale. You sort of had to muscle your way through those details. What I did hear is that you started super small. That is a part of your story for yeah. sure. And saying, let me get one store. Is that still your philosophy around growth? Tell us a little bit about your philosophy on growth and how, how you started may have influenced or continues to influence how you continue to build. Yeah, so I think automatically, at least myself, is we want to go big at the gate, right? Like we want to, you know, I look at my old business plan from 2015 and it was like, I mean, it was pretty aggressive, right? Like go national. And I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And, and especially with something like this, where it's so it's intense to, to make product, right? Making product that you're going to, especially food takes a lot of work, mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge and a lot of know like people, you got to know people too. But I didn't know that in 2015. So I was just thinking like, but my thought, my thought was, okay, I got a bottle of barbecue sauce. I got my pricing. I'm going to send it out to these stores. They're going to be like, cool. And then they're going to buy it. That it was so far fetched from what it actually is. Yeah. Because everyone was, you know, every store that I went to that, you know, only looked at bigger than one spot told me no. And so every time I got a no, I had to figure out why. And that's how I learned throughout this whole process. Like, yeah, I've gotten so many, I got so many rejections, which, you know, when you're, when you're operating small, it's like, it's not a huge deal because it's a learning process. When you, when you look back to that point, to that point though, like you were looking at, you're more successful with smaller stores because they will let you build that relationship. How do you think about e-commerce today? Because now you sort of, one click away from your customer mm. would you yeah. do you think 2015 year old miles 2015 miles would have done e-commerce is that like is that a recommendation that you would be giving yeah it depends on what you're selling so for me my bottles were glass and so shipping glass takes a lot of work just for the wrapping and, and all that stuff like that because i was doing e-commerce for about the first two to three years of the business but it was pretty I mean, it was low right i was getting a couple of orders a week pretty easy to manage you know, I would just package it myself and send it out USPS. That's how the business started gaining at least any notoriety. I was selling on Etsy. I was selling on my website, like, and it wasn't a lot, but it was like, it was great because with, with online presence, you can track how people click through your website. And, to, you know, and this is before Prime was the standard, right? Like right. Amazon Prime was, was, was there and everyone used it, but it wasn't like that you had to have a kind of thing. Yeah. 
And so people were willing to pay six bucks for shipping back then. <laughs> yeah, so much has so much has changed since then. Even you were mentioning sort of being able to go straight to the owner or to the store. I do remember being able to go to Whole Foods back in the day mm -hmm. and talk to your category buyer today. They're nowhere in sight. No, nope. <laughs> nowhere. But back in the day, you could literally bring your product and be like, can you take it? Try it right now. I would take yeah. popsicles was my first product. And I would take the popsicles and say, try it. Can you try it now? And let me know. It's so funny how we had all that access. Then things have totally evolved. Now we don't have that exactly. same access, but you know, the, the game has changed and we'd have to do things differently today, but that was, that was, yeah. then we were able to get that direct access on feedback even. Exactly. I, I was to a lot of, founder stories, especially yeah. some of the ones that are really successful. And a lot of their stories were like coming up in the 90s, and early 2000s. And that's exactly right. Like the entry was so much easier, mm -hmm. right? Like getting it on the shelves was one conversation. Now it's like, you know, there's so much red tape and it takes a lot of effort to get on the shelf. To that, I think it would be interesting to hear what your thoughts are, are on you were naive at first. You said you didn't know anything about the food industry. Here you are, you have this product. Where do you make it? Who else is involved? Talk to us about what you did then and sort of the differences now, now that you've grown and your product is in some different places with different rules. You're, you're in mass retail now. So talk to us about then, what did you do to get your product out there at your startup phase? And now, you're more mature as a startup and, and really getting that momentum, what you're doing now, because you're more grown. Tell us about that difference yeah. and how you handle your product. I, I will say, I think being naive comes at levels, right? So like 2016, I was naive about getting into a place like a Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Now I'm naive about getting into some other locations. Like I'm, I'm still learning, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't have it figured out yet. So this, I'm still learning along the way. It's constant. Um, yeah, definitely. So. In the beginning, I was making all my barbecue sauce out of, um, it was a culinary kitchen, maybe 30 minutes from work. And they were, I was, you know, they were paying me, charging me by the hour. I would go in there after work, make some sauce, once, twice a week, come home. And over time, those, that frequency of going to a kitchen increased. Mm -hmm. So between that, I know I started in 2015 when the start is, just to give you a kind of a scale of how they increased. Mm -hmm. Typically now I'm in the kitchen five to six times a week. And, you know, this is mac and cheese now, but I've got a team of me and like three, three to four other people. We're in, and this is actually recent development. Before that team, I was doing it all myself. I remember. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out how you sleep and everything. <laughs> yeah, it turned me into a machine because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I'm, I am still working full time. So what I would do is. You see you know, why he's here because we can all <laughs> learn like you are efficient as ever. I'm sure you have these tired moments and days, but you're clearly pushing through and you're, this is clearly a passion for you. Yes. That's yeah. a, if it wasn't, I wouldn't be doing this. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. Cause like my day started five in the morning and then I get home at 10 at night okay. and it's just straight put my days fly by, which also means by Friday, it's, it's mush up here. Like there's nothing left in the tank, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, but it's, it's the moments of like, all right, this is going in the right direction. I keep it going. Okay. Okay. So back then you made it yourself. Recent development, you have a team of three. When did you bring that team on of three and how did you know it was time for them? A couple of reasons. It was actually a long time coming because I was, you know, when I was doing it mostly 90% myself, I was burning out pretty bad. You know, physically, mentally, I was not, not doing so high. Um, and yeah. I, I Understandably. Feel it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so 
always willing to bring in the team, but I was like, I can't afford to pay a lot of people. So you're kind of in that weird position. But, you know, when we got actually accepted to Target, which was late last year, and we were just onboarded with them, I, I, you know, even if I spent all day in the kitchen, I couldn't make that all myself. So I knew, Wait, right. so still three people or four technically are making everything for Target yeah. out yeah, of Union Kitchen. I think that's yeah. so inspiring. <laughs> It was a while too. So we, I scheduled it for about three weeks, probably the most hectic three weeks of my entire lifetime. It was like, I mean, and Union Kitchen being not a, it's not a conducive space for an order of that size. Yeah. So all of the, the hoops and hurdles and like the elevator went down three days and the freezer went down. There's all this stuff, all this Murphy's Law was in, was in place and it was just, and, and, and You're like, I'm going to do this no matter what yeah, the fuck I mean, happens. Yeah, there's, there's no way I'm going to mess up. Yeah. Um, and mind you, this is still considered the second job. So like, I'm cool. My brain is I am mind blown. I've been mind blown. I'm still mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting. So for the Black and Shell family, many of us are juggling a full-time job that's how you pay the bills you know we may not have a rich uncle you may not yet have a grant or some other thing i think those the other thing is these things have become so much more accessible now accelerators that are paying and giving you equity free dollars more pitch competitions that give you opportunities to do that there was not as many of those back in 2015 2013 this is a progressive thing right now you know um so i understand why you really did have to make some serious choices but you were really committed to making that happen and that's what's so admirable about all this not everyone would have survived and continued to get to a point where you could now be in target because you did um stay the course essentially yeah it's a long haul and it's not the case like that for everyone so to give you a kind of a, a quick story, back in, tw- so I moved to D.C. in 2017, I believe. And, of course, I'm still working in my engineering job. I, I got a new job in D.C. And this was the first time in my life where I actually hated my job. I mean, I, oh. I with a passion, right? Oh. And this is my second, my third year in business. And I'm starting to be like, okay, I got to do, I'm in a new city. I got to grow the business. And now, because I hate this job, I'm working these crazy hours, I feel like that job is holding me back. And, um, I made a decision to actually quit. I'm gonna go eight miles full time. Wow. I'm still, there's no promise, right? But I don't really know what I'm doing yet, but I'm like, I gotta put time to it. So yeah. I quit, I have started doing eight miles full time. But what's funny about that period, and that might've lasted only five to six months because DC is expensive and I'm getting like three part-time jobs. Uh, <laughs> and got just as busy, but maybe you didn't hate it as much. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I found myself like lacking direction at that time because mm. I think I was a little torn. I was in a new city. I went to explore yeah. and I, I never had, I never had the feeling of being in charge of my own schedule. And I think I took advantage of it and I probably didn't work as hard as I, as I should have at the time. And plus there was still so much of a learning curve. Yeah. So, and so I, I took six months of learning and then realized All right, I got to get back to work. And then when I got back into full-time work, I was even more motivated. Now I had, had all that experience. I kind of scratched that full-time entrepreneur itch and I knew what it would take to do that again. And that's, I think that that moment, I started pushing harder than ever before. Talk a little bit more about that. that. I think that's really interesting. You got a chance to do both for a while. I think at a period of time, like you mentioned, you 
you know, if you're full-time, you always be like, what could I do if I did this all day? You got the chance and it didn't go how you thought it may have, where you would be super productive and all that. Yeah. You think that was a you thing, or do you think that happens to a lot of people where, you know, maybe you don't have as much direction, you can't get as much done as we think. Maybe we overestimate how much we can get done. What what was it? And and how do you think, think about that? I think it's I think it's, a, I think it's my personality type. I think when I have all the time in the world, I am less productive if I have a little time. I get know? that. Because there, there's two moments a day I'd stick in my head for this, this six-month period. The first being, I remember, like, the first Monday after I quit. Yeah. And I had planned to watch. I was, you know, I'm going to wake up at 7 in the morning. I'm going to make a big breakfast, and I'm going to get to work. I ate a big breakfast and then took a nap. It was like a, it was eight thirty in the morning. And, and I, <laughs> That's I hilarious. Like, it's like it's the weekend, basically. <laughs> yeah, it was such a weird time. And then I think too, I was I was focused on the wrong thing. So I didn't have mm. I didn't have any guidance. So I was focused back then on like social media. I would spend hours like developing like a social media calendar mm. as opposed to really trying to drive sales. You know. Yeah. Was, I, I wasn't doing the right things during that time period. Mm-hmm. And um, if I knew now, like if I knew my stuff that I know now back then, it'd been a whole different thing, but I did. Yeah. What would be some key things you would change about that period of time to maximize it? And I think, think keeping in mind someone who might be in, in your position or considering it and thinking, okay, if I do a go decision and take time off, how could I make that optimize? And if I don't, what might that look like? So talk to us from sort of those two angles. If you were to go full-time, how do you maximize that period of time to get things done? What would be the corrections you would have made? I'd tell you, so one thing is really focusing on sales. Back then, I used to hate sales. I used to hate taking my product into stores and, and talking to, because a lot of people are that way. It's a fear of rejection, right? This is something you created. It's got your name on it. Mm-hmm. You hate going into a store and getting rejected. So I, would, I wouldn't do it a lot. Yeah. So I relied on social media, right? And when you're that small, you got to hit the pavement hard. Like you've got to put yourself out there. Um, I would have done that every day as opposed to maybe once a week, once every two weeks. Yeah. Has doing it more yeah. often kind of ripped the bandaid off and now you're not so worried about rejection because you're like, I just do this often. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I do it, I feel more natural now. Mm-hmm. And because I have more experience doing it and we've yeah. had some success. It, it helps, right? But if you're, yeah. if you're new and this is your first time getting it out there and you don't have like the knowledge, right? I would go into a store and they'd ask me questions and I'd just shrug my shoulders. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Right? Oh, yes. And, yeah, so that's, and that's probably the number one thing I would change. And then also start thinking about raising money because back then that wasn't even, it didn't cross my mind at all. Like, mm-hmm. Interesting. Crowdfunding. People today don't have that problem. Everyone thinks about yeah. money first, have no business plan. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I didn't start thinking about that until probably 20, 18. Funding. Yeah. My naive self was like, oh, I'll just make a lot of business. will make all the money and it'll just fund itself. That's what I thought. So to date, have you taken any funding as yet to get to where you are? Yeah. So we've done two crowdfunding campaigns, raised about 45,000 in total. We're actually in the middle of going for big money. I'm looking for angel investment now. Wow. Um, probably, probably closer to $300,000. Okay. Just to kind to of scale. get to the next level. Yeah, yeah, to scale up a bit. That's so exciting. So another set of learning to happen, like this whole funding thing, what does it look like? You definitely, it, it is the right time now, you know that for sure. So yeah. mm-hmm, we met at an accelerator and I know not everyone might know what that is or why you would go there. 
talk about why you went to Union Kitchen Accelerator or even consider an accelerator in general? And what are some of those benefits for those who are interested? Yeah. So, you know, Union Kitchen actually approached me. This was the end of 2017. Mm-hmm. At this point, at this point, I just decided to start getting into mac and cheese. Barbecue sauce is still the main thing. But I was starting to get some really good feedback on the mac and cheese and people were telling me this should be your main product. But I didn't know anything about frozen. At this point, I've had these little mini successes, but mostly been kind of coasting. And I felt I needed some kind of some kind of boost. I needed some more. I needed help. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, Union Kitchen came, approached the business and said, hey, we've got this accelerator program that's going to really help you grow and scale. And um, at the time, it was exactly what I needed. It was an equity exchange, which I looked at it as, okay, if I don't join, and knowing how things have been tracking so far, the chances of me getting to scale are probably less than if I joined the accelerator, and that 10% is going to be worth it, the equity exchange. Mm-hmm. So I joined and then immediately started, you know, getting in the book. It felt like a boost, a shot in the arm because. Accountability, you know, knowledge. Yeah, yeah. knowledge, especially like getting in touch with retailers, like all this stuff I didn't have access to before. Mm-hmm. And so it really helped, especially in the beginning. Yeah. And I think access, it's definitely so big. How many other Black people were in that program the same time as you? I'm just curious. There was two ladies that they were in the program with me. Shoot, was that? Is that it? Yeah, I think it was just yeah. me and two others, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it's... access is still something we struggle with in the community, getting more Black and Brown founders to understand. I think that there's a lot of ideas out there. There's so much mm-hmm. great opportunity for us to share products from our heritage or ideas that we have. Um, but access is something that goes in the way we don't know how to get on shelf. So would you yeah. consider you still get a good amount of help from your accelerator? Is that what, role, that, what role do they now play? Because I know it's been a while since you were in the core yeah. of the program. You're out of the core of the program now. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the you know, as I started to scale, they've become more of like, you know, a soundboard for me. If I have a okay. question or something like that, they'll, they'll chime in. But it's not as it's not as intense as it was back then, right? Because back then it was like, and that program has changed over time. Mm-hmm. It's become a little bit more... Uh, structured than it used to be, but I think once I started to grow beyond that intro slash, you know, that first phase, I think they became more of a separate advisory board at this point. Yeah. How have you found other mentors within the space to really help you feel more comfortable in the uncharted territories, packaging, formulation? I know the Accelerator does some of that, but for some of your other mentors, how have you found some of them and, and what sort of advice and support do they give you? Actually, so I have a I have an advisory board now, and it's a, it's about three gentlemen who have been in the food industry for a long time. Mm. And I found them, and it was actually just curated out of one of my high school friends' dad, who you know is on LinkedIn with me, and kind of followed this whole journey. He reached out and just said, "Hey, you know, if you ever need help, let me know." So we started chatting, and then we we formed this advisory board, which is great because I think one of the biggest struggles as an entrepreneur, at least for me is dissecting my own thoughts because I give people the metaphors. Like imagine you're working in an office building and each floor of the office building is a different like uh, uh, department, finance, mm-hmm. accounting, yes. sales, marketing, right? And But you're the only one in the building and you're running up all this. Oh, yeah. You're, you're answering all the phone you're calls. You're tired. You're tired. Like yeah. it gets really stressful mm-hmm. and, trying to, and, and it's really hard to 
any intention time is limited, right? If you're not if you're not amazing at research and finding stuff, like, it can get really it can get really overwhelming. Yeah. And so my advisory board did a lot of help to kind of help me think about things that I'm not thinking about. The overall network of entrepreneurs is growing. There's a lot of people in the space now. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of Facebook groups that I use that to, to okay. kind of get some help with too. Yeah. And then just you know entrepreneurs that I meet just out and about too. Mm-hmm. that are willing to offer a couple of pieces of advice here and there. Yeah. How often do people hit you up within the community, the food community, starting to just get advice? Or do you feel like you're still a little bit hidden, like people don't really know who you are yet? Where are you at with that at this time? I mean, that's about to change with Target, but yeah. how's it been I'm so in the mid- I'm in the middle. Pre-Target launch, I actually offered my services to kind of help out some entrepreneurs. And mm. I got a lot of phone calls to kind of just guide them and think about some of the things that, especially in the yeah. beginning, right? Because, yeah. you know, like I'm good for that first phase because I've been through it. But once you get to where I'm at and beyond, I'm in their boat. I'm like, hey, <laughs> what am I not thinking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think iron sharpens iron. So it's really great. Do you feel like you have a solid core of other folks at your experience level or sort of like where your business is right now? Is that something you have? Yeah, I think, I mean, because there's so many of them, right? And I, you know, it's funny because, like, when I'm at a store, and I think a lot of people this way, we see a product, we don't think of the person behind the product. Yeah. It's not until, like, I meet someone, they're like, oh, I had this product. And I go, oh, man, I've seen that. I've actually bought it or I've seen it. Like, that's you. Yeah. And because we all tend to see those products as just some corporate giant, right? There's, or some company. But no, like, that's a person. Or, Sometimes the person. Yeah. I'm so weird because I am the person who frequents the grocery store weekly. My, my family, my significant other sort of hates it. Right. But I like turn everything around. Like who made this? And I've like, (laughs) add this person on Instagram and LinkedIn. Like I'm thrilled with the story behind. I mean, this is why this podcast exists because I have always been so excited about like behind the brand. And it's, because I do have that look, I understand it takes so much work. So I'm almost like, who is the person? Like, <laughs> they're, they they did this. Like, what? This is amazing. If I see something on Instagram, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. How did they think that we, how did they know we needed this? Who is this? <laughs> and so like, I love that I like know who you are because it makes me appreciate your product so much. And like, when I've recommended your product and they're like, oh my God, this is the best macaroni and cheese I've ever had. I'm like, <laughs> like it is so exciting it's so it's, exciting it's, it's weird thinking about it because i'm in it i don't look at it from an outside perspective right yeah. like like when i see like when i have it on the shelf and i see it i'm looking at it like okay like is it how many there like, how many have been sold today like you know i'm, I'm thinking of in the details not looking at like oh man it's on the shelf you know wow yeah so you're in whole foods you're in some whole foods and you're in some targets i yeah. think I want to get the bigger picture of what you would consider your top five milestones in your business. I'm guessing that's one, but you correct us if we're wrong. What would you consider like maybe your top five milestones? Like you were excited. You were proud of where you are. Maybe it surprised you. I think I'm actually working on creating the target view as being a milestone because it was such an intense process that once it got on the shelf, I didn't even realize I didn't really fully appreciate it, but more and more, I'm looking at it like, okay, wait, this is actually pretty cool. Listen, <laughs> listen, like every time I stand in front of one of those coolers and be like, oh my gosh, this thing is in the cool, your macaroni is in the freezer. 
never, never like let that be diminished. That is a huge deal. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah. And for one, like, you know, now that there just is not that many black products on the shelf. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're rapidly increasing our presence. And I think the events of Black Lives Matter in 2020 really helped to propel that. Did you experience any of that? Did you experience any increased interest, um, new followers, yeah. Um, yeah. outreach? Tell, tell us about what that experience was like for you. Oh, but definitely. I think with you know all of 2020 and even extending into 2021 mm-hmm. is the appreciation and attention to to Black founders. Yeah. And so you know a lot of retailers are doing the, the especially in Black History Month, but um, the focus on on Black retail and Black and Black founders, and that's been really helpful too because. It actually connects me with other Black founders that I may not have even noticed before. Mm-hmm. So it kind of works both ways. Definitely saw them some more attention. A lot of re- you know, a lot of stores are looking for founders of different diverse backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So that plays a big part because, like you said, we're there's a lot of us, but we don't have the same network as some of our counterparts. Right. We still have to build that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we're always kind of working up a step behind. But it's really encouraging to connect with someone and see their success. Yeah, we're going to double back to your five milestones because we end up building on it. But I still want to hear your five milestones. So tell us, continue there. I think actually my next biggest milestone is going full time again, because I think it's going to really open up a lot of opportunities. And and it's going to do like something for our mental health. You ready? (laughs) Yeah, it's going to really help me out. You think you're ready this time? Like this is the time where you're going to, where you're needing to be full-time and you think you could really use the opportunity properly unlike yeah. what you mentioned as the last time because now i have a roadmap before yeah. i was winging it but now i know what, what it's going to take from a time perspective like kind of the goal set in mind if i go full-time mm-hmm. and i think once that opportunity presents itself i'll be in a lot better position so that's that's my next big milestone and after that is is growing outside of the northeast region like getting the product to the midwest the southeast mm-hmm. um there's a certain stage where the product becomes, I'll call it formative, hits the radar. Like, like you know, the masses know about it. That's my, my really my, and having a team, right? Like having like people who are actually on, not just from a production standpoint, but just working. Like, marketing, operations, sales marketing. operations. Yeah, yeah, that would be a big deal. Do you think any of those so far that you mentioned as milestones would be like this year? type milestones yeah i mean right now my plan is to go full-time by the end of this year wow well we are rooting you on for that thank you thank you that's big would those be the main milestones that you are looking forward to yeah and then also too i've got another product which is um it's a line of mac and cheese bites innovation yeah (laughs) r&d Yes. Which, which I'm really close. We actually did a pre-release of them and it did really well, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the equipment to scale up. Okay. So we have to scale, we have to, we have to kind of take them off the shelf and figure that out. Okay. But that's going to be huge too, because when they were on the shelves for that, that, you know, two, three month period, they, they sold like crazy. So, mm. you know, so that, you're, you're that making me think that that could be great. Is it, who's it targeted for? Are we going to look out for it? Who's it targeted towards, yeah. you think? I mean, it's going to be, um, the same audience as the mac and cheese. So you're looking at moms, especially who want to get something quick for their kids. Yeah. Folks like me who just want a snack. You know, it's it's got a pretty wide audience, and mm-hmm. Whole Foods already expressed interest. Target expressed interest. So I know once they hit the market, mm-hmm. they'll do really well. It's just getting them to market. Yeah. One thing I'm curious about is you went the route, as we mentioned, a commercial kitchen. You're making it yourself. Talk to me about when you might go 
with a co-packer or contract manufacturer, are you thinking about that as next steps as well? ASAP. I gotta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta. Um, <laughs> yeah. I tell people, I'm like, hey, my feet hurt. <laughs> I gotta yeah. get to a co-packer soon. And I'm working on it. That's actually planned for this year as well. Hopefully by the end of this year. Yeah. And for those that don't know, a contract manufacturer is someone who takes that part of the steps out from you. Like they make the product. Yes, you collaborate, you tell them what to make, all the ingredients, all that good stuff, but they then make it for you on your behalf to relieve someone like Miles of having to do it because he's been doing it for six plus years here. And for you, the reason you didn't do it at first just was primarily because of cost, right? Yep, and scale. Like, you know, these co-packers want you to make a lot of products. And if you don't have a lot of a lot of customers you can't you really can't make it happen mm-hmm. and just you know i'm looking at it even from a time standpoint because right now it's an hour drive to my kitchen and 30 minutes back without traffic being there for four three to four hours you know that's six seven hours that you could be doing other stuff to build your business as opposed to making the product yeah 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 that would be really interesting so i would ask what's the thing that surprised you most about your journey so far oh man Oh, there's been a lot of surprises. I think it's just overall the effort it takes to get into retail. And in the beginning, I, like I said, I thought it was fill out an application. Name online. name some for the people. Let's 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 make sure people don't think it's just I got a product. It's on the shelf. Start tell them this exhaustive list. Yeah. So I'll tell you right off the bat. Um, Target. It now we now we had an issue of you know COVID kind of shut things down, right? But, right. Target, I started, I started talking to Target in December of 2019, and we got on the shelves May of 2021. Mm, you know? Gotta be and patient, huh? Yeah, you gotta be patient. And then Whole Foods, I pitched Whole Foods three times before they actually accepted the product. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the other thing too, is that this industry, it's cutthroat and it's ruthless because we've got so many people competing for not that many spots. The grocery store is only so big. Right. And... I think the other thing is too is once you get on the shelves, your work is just beginning because you say that again, say that again, say that again. (laughs) Once you get on the shelf, and that's that's the beginning of your job. Bingo, your work just beginning. Mm -hmm. Because I made the mistake of one of my stores and putting it on the shelf. I said, okay, it's good to go. I'll I'll see y'all later. This was back in the day, naive Miles. He knows better now. Yeah, and this is twenty eight. This is twenty eighteen miles. Like you know, mm-hmm. he, he knows some stuff, but not a lot. And um, six nine months later, they tell me, "Hey, if you don't improve your sales, we're gonna drop you." Still, my miles is going. All right, I'm gonna do a demo once a month. That'll help, right? Nope. No. They end up dropping me two months later. Wow. And so from that point on, I knew how aggressive he had to be with marketing. Like, All right, yeah. I gotta, because if you put your stuff on the shelf, if no one knows about you, they're not gonna pick you up. Like yeah. You could have the best stuff in the world. Mm-hmm. You got to direct them to it. Yeah, you got to drive demand. There's this book, If You Build It, Will They Come? And the answer is no, not on no. their own. <laughs> you have to drive yeah. them to it. So talk exactly. about some of the activation, some of the support that you can provide to help someone to come and become more aware of your brand. What does that look like for 8 Miles? Customer demos are huge because we need for food, we have to experience it before we try it, right? Mm-hmm. So... If you're in a frozen food section, you're all, you're inundated with products, right? I mean, it's, it could be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And if you've tried one product, you're going to probably stick with that product because that's your go-to. And if you're a newcomer and no one's tried it, they're not going to give you the time of day unless you have something that's really in high demand and unique. But still, there's a learning curve there, too. And so 
you definitely want to demo as much as you can. And then you want to utilize social media, especially Instagram, because you have to do it in a smart way. You have to build your brand up. You need to you need to define who your target audience is yeah. and then go after them. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel like, okay, everyone likes my product. I'm just going to throw it out to the world. No, you have to define the person or the person who will enjoy it the most and focus on building that community and then it'll blow up from there. Yeah, I think... All those are really great points. And, you know, you mentioned the customer. I'm a marketer. I now work in grocery retail. Prior to that, I was on the brand side, but in grocery retail and I work for the own brand. So the grocery stores products, it's just not just because it exists in the grocery store. Even when we own the building doesn't mean people buy it. Even we have to support our products on the shelf. Yeah. With a number of points of activation, the circular for a grocery store, digital ads, social media, yeah. a lot of the same things you do as a brand, but for way more categories. So I yeah. can confirm even as a retailer, a grocery retailer, we are still marketing to consumers and driving demand, bringing them into the store. They don't just come. <laughs> exactly. And that's another thing, too, is I didn't realize how much money people spend on marketing for a CPG brand. Yep. Like, there's a brand that they do some type of uh, cereal. It's like, a, it's, a, it's like a heavy protein cereal. Anyway, at some point, I was seeing a lot of ads on my Instagram. From Magic Spoon. Instagram. I know what you're talking about. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, I look at the first time I saw the ad, I'm like, me, I'm like, I love my Frosted Flakes. I would never switch. I'm, <laughs> I would never try them. But I keep seeing these ads. And I end up finding out that the amount they spent on advertising was like, like 100 grand a month now yeah like, oh my God. but now yeah. but look now they're like they're a top they're a top brand they are that's kind of what you have to do sometimes sometimes you know i've worked in brands where you will take a loss just to actually gain that momentum get that yeah. first place get that visibility in the minds of consumers and then you're able to really work on profitability but sometimes it's intentionally we're going to spend the money exactly that's a tough pill to swallow if because sometimes that money doesn't have any return on it, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't really know what's gonna, what's going to happen. But there's another brand which I, everyone knows about now, sauce. Yeah. Um, they did the truffle hot sauce. I still remember the first time I saw one of their ads, and I was like, "Wow, well, I mean, that's so what's the word? I mean, that's too much." I mean, who wants truffle? I, I, and I remember seeing the glass bottle. I was, and this is at the time when I was still heavy and doing my own barbecue sauce. So I'm looking at. So them you were critical of them. You're like, no. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be and theirs is more than ten ninety nine, by the way. Okay, that's another crazy part. <laughs> that's the other thing. And over time, I keep seeing their ads, and, they're, and I can tell their ads are getting more and more professional. I'm like, man, they must be doing something right. And then, of course, they're in a DJ Khaled video, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> what is going on? And then just recently, the now they're on the grocery store shelves, and you're right, it's like yeah. twelve or thirteen bucks, but they built the community so successfully that people that love their stuff do not care what it costs. No, yeah. you know, it's an elevated moment of consumption. We're not just throwing that on some fried chicken. You might, but most people yeah, are might. like, I'm making an elevated dinner and I want this amazing, you know, truffle hot sauce, you know, exactly. truffle sauce and everything. So, you know, talking about customers, one of the key reasons you saw it because they have targeted you, right? So when you yeah. think, when you have thought about how your eight mile consumer has evolved, who's it for maybe lessons that, the shelf has taught you versus what you thought initially. What were some of those insights for you? Yeah, so we actually learned a pretty great lesson quickly after launching the mac and cheese. So okay. my first packaging, 
my intention when I had the Mac was, okay, I want, I want something that stands out and is different on the shelves. Most of your products have this traditional looking like the bowl with the product and like traditional lettering and all that stuff. And I was like, I want to be different. So I was like, I want to make my, my packaging playful. You know, I had like kind of cart- semi-cartoonish lettering, mm-hmm. um, bright colors, and it did stand out on the shelf. The problem was I didn't define my audience correctly. Okay. I had thought my audience was going to be people like me, you know, coming out of college and wanted a quick meal, young adults. But because the way my packaging looked, it was looked like a, a kid brand. And it didn't match because I was not, I was not going after the kids. <laughs> and so people like me would see it and be like, that looks like kid mac and cheese. I don't want it. So what I ended up doing was I redefined my audience. I kind of rebranded. Okay. And I realized that it's actually for moms and their kids mm-hmm. and moms always want what they they don't want what's best for their child and you know and so they look at like a gore like so now i'm a premium mac and cheese okay this is the best i can get premium i want that <laughs> premium gourmet stuff yeah and then of course with covid now you get all these all these parents and, and just people in general that are oh. in the kitchen more often they need mm-hmm. they need some help that's where we come in okay you can still have this homemade quality meal it just happens to be frozen. Yeah, eight miles is no craft macaroni and cheese, okay? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not, not even close. No shade on craft. It's just <laughs> no craft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Go I'll try it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> just go try it for yourself, you know? Um, so I know that you did have a rebrand. What went into that? You, you talked a little bit about how you wanted to shift your appeal. How long did it take you to say, okay, I'm ready to do that and I, I can afford that? How much time was in between your original packaging and the new, the rebranded one? I think I was rocking with the original packaging for about a year and a half or so. Okay. And, you know, sales were doing okay, but not with where I expected them to be. And then that's when I started digging into why. And that was one of the things I discovered. And actually, I hired a branding agency, okay. which is actually one of the reasons why we raised money already. Okay. Because I used to, I used to be against it. I'm like, why would I hire someone? pay all this money for them, to, for them to do something that could probably google but it really helped because we were able to walk and you know we were able to talk through everything and really like she helped me with my copy how i discussed the brand our tagline all this stuff and once it was done i looked at it and said yeah this is actually a much better fit it felt better and you were proud better. of it yeah i was really proud of it and then the sales actually were increased as a result so it, was mm, so it was communicating what you wanted it to yep yeah, I do love the photography on there. That that is, it's very appealing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing too. Before it was cartoonish looking, and people need to see what they're going to eat. If you mm-hmm. see the cartoon, they're like, I don't, I don't know what's inside. If you see the picture of our mac and cheese, it's inviting. And it's like, yeah. okay, I want that on my plate. Definitely. All right. So one of the things I want to leave us with or wrap up with, because we've gotten to talk about a lot, and I think this conversation will be very valuable to the Boss Fam. Anyone who's considering starting something, Miles is basically saying, start it, you know, find something that inspires you and start it. He talked a little bit about navigating corporate and entrepreneurship. You're going to be tired. There's no, there's no runaround on that one, right? Is the jury's, it's no runaround, right? You're still tired, but you're doing it. So (laughs) don't let that be a hindrance. I am curious though, what do you do for your mental health and what have you done? Yes. Muscling it through, but like, what really have you done to sort of still make it through you? It, six years is pretty substantial. I want to say. Yeah. The number one thing is I exercise because within that realm of working out, I can control it. Right. There's, mm-hmm. 
doing running the business and everything else, there's so many unknowns and things that can that you that impact with your success. In the element of the workout, it's me and the weights. Yes. You know? And it's and it's like, okay. And you, I set a goal and then I can see the progress. The more it's it's such a like I look at it as like I put in hundred percent, I get a hundred percent results. But business is not always that case. No. You know, like I put in a hundred percent, I get fifty, I get forty, you know, because Sometimes. of just how things work out. Mm-hmm. Um and it's and working out is an escape and just like allows me to just focus on non work related. Definitely. And it just and it just feels good. So I'm actually trying to incorporate some other ways to kind of get away from the the grind, you know, just for a bit. Mm-hmm. Kind of relax a little bit because like I said, especially toward the end of last year, earlier this year, the burnout was real. Um did you get a business coach? Have you ever seen like a therapist? Some of those things that they're not so common in the black community, but just curious yeah. if you relied on any of them for your support. I've thought of it, you know, right now, my family is my, my coach where it's like, you know, whenever something is really bugging yeah. me, I talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually for me, it's my whiteboard, which mm. like I need it. And getting, I realized writing stuff down for me is really relieving. Because, that's therapy right there. <laughs> yeah, that's when I spend so much time driving and that's when I have all my thoughts and I get tangled and I get frustrated when I can't do anything about it. Yeah. You know? And so getting a chance to write it down really helps. Yeah. You mentioned your family. So not everyone has a great support system, but how has your family supported this dream, this vision, just you in general, your well-being, encouragement? What does that look like? Yeah, I think um, because they're entrepreneurs too. Like my dad, you know, part-time uh, caterer. My grandfather actually owned a company all his life. And so they know, they actually, from the very beginning, they were like, they were 100% in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't know the food industry from a CPG standpoint. They know kind of what it takes to really push through. Mm-hmm. And they and they have a lot of confidence. And I think that is really encouraging. So there's been some times where I was down. I was like, oh my God. But it's weird. I never thought about quitting. It was just, I was lost. You know, where I'm like, wow. what am I doing wrong? But they always encourage me to just like, okay, you know, it's a setback, but you'll, you'll get through it, learn from it. But my girlfriend's the same way where she's like, she sees it every day. She's like, this dude is killing himself. Mm-hmm. You know? but, but she's still in a position to encourage me, especially when I need it. And like I said before, it's these like the winds that are embedded within everything else that kind of keep me going. Yeah. Like that moment of like, okay, I have these these blissful moments and they're short-lived, but it's like maybe a day where I'm like, things are under control. Yeah. I can breathe, you know? And like, all right, what's what's the next step here? Yeah, no, I I feel you in that. It's good to have some of those days that sort of make you feel like you're right on track and you have it under control. They are short-lived, but it's nice to have some of them every now and then. Exactly. Boost your confidence a little bit. Yeah. And the last thing I want to talk about is what does being black on shelf mean to you? It's a privilege in terms of like, I'm very proud to be able to showcase myself as a black entrepreneur, just a black person that shows a certain level of determination and grit. Sometimes I look at that shelf and everyone on that shelf, I'm the only black person on that shelf, right? Mm -hmm. And my goal is for this have someone else who maybe is in the 2014 eight mile, mile shoes sees that and is inspired and says okay i'm gonna do that too you know i i, I want to provide as much knowledge as much encouragement as much motivation as i can to people who are looking to do the same thing 
because there's people that are that are doing better than I am that are also black because I look to them like, okay, you're crushing it. I want to be just like you, you know, like I want to, <laughs> and, that's, and that's motivation too. Like, okay, yeah. like it's a team of us that are doing it. And because like, sometimes we're not amplified as much, right? Like there's a lot of people that are doing really well, but no one knows about it. And that's why Black on Shelf exists. I needed exactly. to tell these stories. I'm like, are you like a hidden, hidden gem or something? Like, I'm happy that I'm able to do this, but I'm also like, wait, where do they not see? He's the lonely Black person in this category. Like, we're in Target. What? Wait on it. It's coming. It's coming. You're about to be flooded. We're the first, you know, just saying. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of companies out there that are doing really well. Um, there's actually one in particular that I met early on. Really? She did. I'm guessing she really does it. Um, DC sweet potato cake. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with them. No. But but before Union Kitchen, I was at mess hall, and I never met her in person, but I always saw her team. They were making cakes every day, and um, she actually had a lot of success. She sells through Starbucks, I think locally. That's big. Um, I think she landed a deal with Walmart, and like this is back when I was still trying to ramp up. I'm looking at her like, okay, like mm-hmm. that's. That right there is how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So we're out there. It's just sometimes we don't have the same voice. Yeah, well, we're changing that. We're changing that. For it was sure. such it was such a pleasure having you come on. We're super rooting for you. I'm just so proud that you are on the shelf and that it's really just Thank the beginning, you. you know, of what you're going to do. You have innovation coming. We're going to be supporting really hard. Is there anything that you'd like to share with this community? Anything on your mind about encouragement or news that's coming up? then we'll follow up with how folks can find you. And of course, we will include everything you mentioned in the show notes. Yeah, I would say, and you already mentioned it, is that don't hesitate to start, right? I mean, start thinking of, start planning, start figuring out how you're going to do it. And don't be afraid of the setback. Because unfortunately, with this kind of thing, no matter how much you plan, they're going to be setbacks. Mm-hmm. But you got to push through them and use your network to the best we can. Ask as many questions as you can and also be a little bold. You know, don't be afraid to really put yourself out there. And um, because I know a lot of companies that are just like they're new, they're kind of afraid to express their idea because they don't want that negative feedback, especially right. with the internet and how it is nowadays, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's a war zone sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just tell them, listen, like, most of the companies that have made it that you hear about the success story, they had a long, like, bumpy road to get there. So keep at it and just, like, believe in what you're going to do. Yeah. How can everyone follow you and support the brand? Yeah, so we're 8miles.com as the website. So 8 and then M-Y-L-E-S. And then on Instagram, we're at 8milesllc. Awesome. Well, I will keep the community very much aware of what is going on. It's This is about black and brown founders. So they're going to hear about you. And as you expand, we will let folks know what new cities they can purchase in. We're so excited for you, Miles. Your story Thank continues you. to be inspiring. You are a hard worker. Like, no cap. You are a hard worker. And whenever I am tired, I'm going to be like, Miles would still be working just as an inspiration point you know we should all rest and everything too but there is a point where you do have to do what you did to get to where you are now and that that's super inspiring i'm so excited we got to talk thank you for joining oh for sure for sure i really appreciate it it's been great awesome thank you for joining us on the black on shelf podcast 
Visit our website, blackonshelf.com, and subscribe to the show on platforms including Apple Podcast, Spotify, and YouTube, so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media at Black on Shelf. I want to know who you are. Drop a black heart so I know you're a listener. If you are a founder or expert, or want to recommend someone interested in being on the show, complete the Boss Podcast request form using the link in the show notes or on our website. If you love the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you inspiring episodes. Finally, if you want more of all things Black on Shelf, join our Boss LinkedIn community to stay connected with other listeners, entrepreneurs, and experts. I want to grow the Boss fam and I'd love to stay connected with you. Thanks again for listening. All right, catch you next time.